Guys, the day has finally come. That's right. You've been sending us messages on Facebook. You've been tweeting us. You've been asking for a a sleep expert, and we have one for you. We have Jennifer Waldberger from The Sleep Easy Solution. It's the exhausted parent's guide to getting your child to sleep from birth to age five. You're going to want to listen to this one. It's a doozy. And now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> we want to tell you about GoBank, the checking account that lets you say goodbye to big banks and their big fees. With GoBank, there are no overdraft fees and no penalty fees. It's been all over the news and was even featured as the best new app in the Apple App Store. You can mommy multitask with the app to pay your bills and deposit checks. Plus, you get 42000 fee-free ATMs. I almost couldn't say that. Did you know, Bianca, that's twice as many as Bank of America or Chase, according to their website, as of February 2015? I did not know that. So sign up now at GoBank.com or on the app. GoBank is a paid sponsor. Learn more about their simple fees at GoBank.com backslash no worries. Hey, guys. It's Ellie Noss and Bianca Kylik here with Atomic Moms. Hello. It's a sweltering and beautiful day. It's so hot. I can't even believe I put a little bit of sleeves on today and I'm kind of mad at myself right now because I I, fe- I feel it. The heat is brewing. I'm sweating like a pig. And also on the way here to Venice, I realized everybody else is going to Venice to go to the beach today. Yeah. It's a Friday afternoon. So it took an hour. And when I was on the freeway, I was thinking like I should just put a baby doll in the car seat so, <gasps> so that I can, can sneak onto the HOV. How illegal would that be? Mm, well, I mean, <laughs> if, you don't get, if you don't get caught, you're fine. <laughs> and probably unethical. I feel grateful that I live somewhere that when it's nice out, everybody wants to come. I know. Because we get to be here all the time. Well, we're very excited today. We are we so excited. a sleep expert. Our number one question has been, please talk to us about sleep training. So... In my mommy and me group, all the mothers were raging about the sleep easy solution. All of them were talking about. I like it. raging as opposed to raving too. Rage, they were raging, raging, raging is like raving. they were they were so excited. They were angry well, about it. They were tired. They were raging. <laughs> yes, that stage. They were exhausted. And actually, I went on our mommy and me group has a little. Uh, we ended after I think six or eight months, but. We have a little Facebook page, and I wrote them. I was like, what was the sleep training book? And they all responded immediately. Awesome. There are many disciples of the Sleep Easy Solution. And so we are so, so grateful to have Jennifer Waldberger here. Okay, she is the co-author of it. And she has her master's in social work. And she was a writer and editor in New York City for Town and Country Magazine and Red Book. And now she's the co-founder of Sleepy Planet, which she's done for a while with Jill Spivak, um, who's a psychotherapist and a pediatric sleep disorder specialist. And uh, the cool thing is Jennifer provides sleep consultations, leads mother infant groups for new moms, and works in private practice as a parent educator. And she's here today to help all the mothers out there who are exhausted and who don't know how to do it in like a kind, gentle way because they're all freaked out about the crime. I don't You're relate freaked out at about all. It. <laughs> I, Bianca calls me all the time and she's like, Magnolia's waking up at nine yeah. at night and coming into our bed because you're still co-sleeping, right? Yes. Yeah. So our experience has been, I always wanted to co-sleep. That was important to me. And, you know, I've really tried kind of throughout this whole new mamahood thing to just kind of be led by her cues. And um, I've really tried not to read a lot because um, some of the books that people recommended scared me a little bit. So it's been fantastic until we got to about nine or 10 months. Actually, it kind of started around a little bit around eight. But before that, she would go down at seven. She was she's always been super easy to put to bed. And she would not wake up until like two or three in the morning. And at that point, we would bring her into bed with us. And it was awesome. And I would feed her and then she would kind of feed on demand through the rest of the night. We went to Puerto Rico for Christmas, and all of a sudden, Magnolia decided that she wanted to be up at 9, and then at 10, and then at 11, and... No good vacation goes unpunished, you know? (laughs) I know. I know. Well, and by the way, can we talk about what vacation? Because it really was a working vacation. I mean, it was no more lounging on the beach, luxuriating in the, you know, in the salt water and the drinks, and no, no, no more of that. So... 
you know, at first I kind of, I was back at work and this was new too. It's so I'm sure that's related as well. And she was crawling like a mad woman and pulling herself up like a mad woman. And then I just kind of threw my hands up in the air and started bringing her into bed and feeding her until she fell asleep and then taking her into a crib. Well, I think she decided she really liked that. Uh-huh. So bedtime in her crib got farther and farther in the distance. And actually, it's in the last week, I've kind of started stepping back up and saying, when she wakes up, uh, we're not going into mama's room. We're, we're um, walking out here. So we walk the hallway. And it's actually, she's, she's at least getting to the point now where she goes back down in her crib. But still, she, she doesn't make it past that midnight mark. She comes into bed with us around then. And my husband works nights, so it's just me. And when I've been at work, it's like I just – you tend to do whatever's easiest because, you know, it's it's stressful and it's – um whatever the easiest option is to get us all to sleep is what I tend to do. So Absolutely. that's kind of where we're at. But – that was my alone time. When when she went down and when Mike went to work, that was when I got to, you know, have me time and read and you're a tired mama. <laughs> I'm a t- I'm exhausted and I'm trying to do it all and and I'm kind of at the at my wits end. So, so I'm ecstatic and also I feel like we're real, we're like the cool kids to have you guys on. I know. It's a <laughs> really big deal. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Well, we also have Derek O'Neill here. And so here's the thing, guys. We are so lucky we're spazzing out, or I'm spazzing out. Bianca's super blissed out because we have – this is a two-parter, y'all. We're going to be talking about the Sleep Easy Solution, and we're also talking about Jennifer's other book, Call Mama Happy Baby, where we have her – co-author Derek O'Neill. So that's going to be next week's episode. So you have to listen to that. So why we're having you guys on today to talk about the sleep easy solution is parents are exhausted. It's so stressful. I thought I was postpartum, but I think I was just really exhausted. I was so exhausted. And I remember when Adam's parents were able to come visit for a weekend they took Sabrina and I was able to take a nap. And I remember waking up from the nap and everyone was gone and I should have felt relief. But instead, I felt so lonely Aww. and it was so weird because it was like I finally got a chance to sleep. But then that felt weird because I woke up and they weren't around. Yeah. So I think a lot of moms also have that issue of like, how do I sleep when the baby sleeps? Because then I don't get anything done and I miss out on everything. That's such a good point, Ellie, because that's definitely something that I feel right now. It's like when they're not sleeping at night and you're up with them at night and you're so tired, but then in the morning, Mike will take her and say, I'm going to take her for a couple hours. You you lay in bed. And I can't because I'm scared I'm missing out on something. Yeah. And especially once I went back to work, my time with her is so precious. And so, you know, Mike, I would walk out and Mike say, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, I, I want to be a part of this. And yeah. so the fact is I can't go to bed earlier because she's not sleeping. And so it's, it's a slippery slope. And I think also why we're so ecstatic to have you here is that by the way the first uh, act of the show is us just gushing about y'all before we ever (laughs) even let you open your mouth (laughs) but I but I think that you know it's so there's so much information out there and I've had this discussion at work with mamas and there's so many different studies and all of us are just scratching our heads I don't know what to believe I don't know if what I'm doing is horrible for my child and especially as a first time mom, I just am so scared that everything I'm doing is ruining her for life. And I just want to say, mom, I am sorry (laughs) and I love you. And I know that it was really rough and hard and I get it now. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, it's so much more in the positives than you ever imagined. And it's also so much more work than you ever imagined. So, so true. Yeah. Yeah. And what a beautiful shout out to your mom. <laughs> I think most parents, when they become a parent, are like, oh, <laughs> I really owe my own parents a debt of gratitude for all that they went through in raising me because now you're standing in the shoes and you're living it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, gosh, you guys touched on so many important things that we could kind of dive more deeply into. But I think, 
first of all, just talking about being a brand new mommy and your head spinning with all that information and, you know, so many people coming at you with different philosophies and opinions about not only sleep, but feeding and how to breastfeed and when to breastfeed and what kind of bottles to use when you're pumping and should you be green or not green? And there's just so many moving parts to being a parent. And it's great that we now have the internet and can kind of hop online and research everything, but it's also to our detriment a little bit as well, because it's almost like sensory overload, you know, with everything that you're taking in. And so Jill and I at Sleepy Planet, we actually started our company um, over 17 years ago now. And way back then, there was no such thing as help with sleep. It was basically your pediatrician who would say, plunk them in the crib and walk away and it'll all be fine. And Jill had at that time an eight-month old Jake, who's now 18 and about to go off to college. Oh my gosh, <laughs> crazy. Who's my godson. And he was a horrible sleeper. And she was living in New York City at the time and was just absolutely pulling her hair out and got a little bit of support for it, but had a totally like game changer experience as a parent once he started sleeping through the night. And we were both at the time um, child and family psychotherapists. And we went like, oh my gosh, this is a huge universal problem for so many people. Why isn't there a service that just helps people figure this out? And so from the beginning, our aim was never to stand on a so box and preach like, this is how you should do it. Follow this regimented plan where we've always been, because we have backgrounds as social workers, we're family systems oriented, meaning we're looking at baby, but we're looking at the whole big picture of family life to really feel each family's needs and preferences around each subject. So you know by now, you have mama instincts, but when you have that flood of information coming at you and or stress, you know, the normal stress of being a parent and, and your or opinions. your partner's opinions and exhaustion, you can't hear your mama instincts. So when we're sitting down with a family, we make a little bubble and we go, okay, what do you want? What feels right to your heart? Here's the pros and cons of different decisions that you could make around this subject. Let's feel this out together. And then we kind of make our plan. But in that first four months, you probably heard that term, the fourth trimester. Yes. So our, our human babies come out not all the way baked <laughs> and they still need quite a bit of care and attention and attunement to really develop their own bodies, biorhythms in terms of sleep, in terms of feeding, in terms of, you know, just regulating everything. So in that first four months, you do want to follow their lead a hundred percent. There's no such thing as bad habits. So everybody out there who's listening, who has a mother or mother-in-law or a pediatrician <laughs> or somebody who said, never rock your baby to sleep or, you know, you'll get into deep doo-doo. It's not true. Actually, there's nothing. And I mean, nothing you could be doing in that first four months that you can't turn around very quickly. Once the baby's old enough and weighs enough to really be able to take their own lead on this, um, you can't spoil them. It's just the right thing to do to help them. After that point, if you're upside down with sleep, you can start to make changes. Four months and 15 pounds is the very earliest that we like to start. Four to six months, kind of a case by case. Like if you're completely upside down, you know, I've definitely met, it's so interesting. Sleep deprivation affects different parents differently. <laughs> You'll sit in a circle of moms and one mom will be like, you know, I'm getting up twice a night to feed and it's not my favorite, but I'm kind of hanging in there and it's okay. And the I'm mom- the other mom. You're the other <laughs> mom, right. So the mom right next to her goes, well, I'm getting up twice a night and I'm gonna die. And we've had- Unfortunately, moms over the years who, like one mom, set her kitchen on fire because she was cooking with oil and forgot and her curtains went up in flames. Another mom rolled through a stop sign. So it can actually so be a safety dangerous. issue yeah, to be is. sleep deprived. But so, yeah, I think every single parent has to find their own way on this subject. And there's room for everybody, you know, co-sleeping, sleeping more independently. There's room for all of it. There's a way to go about it, though, that is very respectful of what the, the child also needs for sleep in addition to what you guys feel you want. I love that. I feel like we're lucky on the podcast too because my daughter was in the crib from day one and you're co-sleeping still. So it's like we both have – we have like such different experiences. Yeah. The funny thing for me reading The Sleep Easy Solution, I, I was a little – arrogant is the bad word for it. I was a little – I felt confident flipping through Sleep Easy Solution at the beginning – because my daughter started sleeping through the night at three months. we Before that, it was, you know, we woke up, we fed her every two and a half hours or whatever, exclusively breastfeeding. And 
she weighed a lot. <laughs> so it worked out. Yeah, great. I, my mother-in-law called my breast milk gelato because it was like so <laughs> thick and fatty. Lucky baby. <laughs> Super lucky baby. Big cheeks. <laughs> so we were lucky on that end with the – but we did a schedule system and I lucked out there. We had a much tougher time with the naps. But then – my confidence waned as I'm reading through this book because I realized, oh my God, it, it's never over. It's like every <laughs> stage. There's another, there's another thing. Like, oh gosh, the transition to preschool. I mean, and I still, like, I'm traveling. I've talked about this on the show before. I'm just like, oh, I don't ever want to go on a trip again because we've got a system. Like, she sleeps 12 and a half hours at night. Like, I don't want to leave that. Like, that's yeah. a better vacation. That than is leaving. one of the nice things about co sleeping is she's so great on vacation because she'll sleep anywhere. Easy. Um, With you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, you know, and I, again, to reiterate what you said, I'm so appreciative of our relationship. And I think that this is kind of our goal in, in putting this podcast out there is that Ellie and I have done many things very different ways and we honor and support each other in that. And I think that's our one hope for this is that other mamas out there can realize like, if you do it differently, it's okay. Yes. And that you know, nobody stands in judgment of each other because we're all just doing it the best we can. Oh, can I get an amen on that? <laughs> I mean, like, I'm sure you guys have been on the chat forums online and what have you. It's and awful. the mudslinging that goes on around yeah. this subject is just unbelievable. It's like and They're raging about it. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Raging either. about it. And it's like nobody is standing in anybody else's parents' shoes. And I can't tell you how often I've had a client who's a second time parent who kind of comes in and goes, I have to be honest, the first time around it was so easy for us. I thought all those other parents were just belly aching and moaning and whining about nothing. And now I get it. Mm -hmm. So you don't know what it's like for anybody else. And there's no research that anybody can point to that says unequivocally, this is the way you know, period, done, the end. There's um, pros and cons of different methods of sleeping depending on your situation and your child. So yeah. So so where to begin? <laughs> okay, so you're saying start at four months. Well, you start, can. So like, look into it like you were months. lucky and your lucky. little one started to get it all on her own. Yeah, well, we did, a, we did the 12 hours in 12 weeks book, which I appreciated certain aspects of. Mm-hmm. It felt a little intense. I yeah. left a lot of it at the door, yeah. but I liked the schedule and the dream feed thing. What my husband and I figured out, and I'm sure everyone else has too, but I'll share it in case anyone hasn't. He would do a bottle with her in the middle of the night for the dream feed because mm-hmm. we found that she was, if she was in my arms, she'd fall asleep instantly and wouldn't drink. Right. But if he took her out of the crib and gave her a bottle, she'd stay awake for that. And then it was much easier for him to put her back in the crib than me because she'd want to stay in my arms. Right, right. You know, little babies love to be held. and. Yeah. I think that <laughs> there was a funny cartoon I saw once and it was a picture of a baby standing up in a crib and the poor bleary-eyed dad had come in to try to like soothe the little one and the caption said, not you, the one with the boobs. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, they, they kind of melt into you. But um, no, so you got really lucky, you know, yeah, and really lucky. some babies and we didn't do, do the just... Dream that was like at three months, I yeah. think. It wasn't like yeah, yeah. day one, dad. Yeah. Yeah. No. Right. But no, I mean, there definitely are steps that you can take in that first four months to shape things in a good direction. And one of the most important things that you can do, honestly, is to tune into your own child. And so, again, the whole idea that you would just forcibly impose some rigid schedule that doesn't make any sense to you or doesn't seem to fit with your child at all is only going to take you to a place of stress and your child to a place of stress. So you kind of tuned in. You read a couple books. You said this one resonates for me. But I love how you said, I'm going to take this and leave that. Mm -hmm. It's so sad how few parents are honestly that empowered. They think that's a gospel and that they should follow it to the letter or they're doing something wrong. And so well done that, you know, you kind of treated it like a buffet. And and that's probably why things went as smoothly as they did. But so four months and 14 pounds is kind of the earliest point at which we would say now baby can start to learn skills. And like I was saying before, it's kind of case by case between four and six months. If you can hang in there until six months and you're not absolutely dying, then it can actually go much better when baby is a little bit older. What about like 11 months? 
Yes. Yeah. Transitioning from co-sleeping. What a fantastic topic. Yes. No, it's, this is the great news. It's never too late. Ever. So I had a nine-year-old girl in my practice. Wow. Last year who had never slept. And to her parents' credit, she had had some medical issues early on. And so everybody was really nervous about that. But poor thing just wanted a sleepover. She couldn't do it. And so um, she came in and we did our thing. And it took a couple weeks in that case, but she still got it. So it took, you know, it's usually a couple nights when they're younger, but 11 months, no problem. So just to circle back on some of the things that you mentioned, motor wise, she's on fire. So, (laughs) you know, once they figure out how to pull up, crawl, and pull up and walk and move. It's a game changer. It's like there's a big world out there and I want to explore it and who needs to sleep. So it can definitely throw you for a loop a little bit when they start to hit these milestones and they have so much energy and it's the last thing they want to do. But the truth is that at whatever point you decide, okay, we're ready to really get a handle on this and get more consistent sleep. Once you have that foundation, there's pretty much four things that will wiggle you. One is cutting a tooth through the gum. Yeah. One is getting sick. One is hitting a brand new milestone and one is travel. But you have a foundation to come back to. So it wiggles and wobbles a little bit, but you have this other foundation where as soon as the issue at hand has passed, you come right back to that. Oh my God, we hit three at once. I mean, now when I think about the trip, she was cutting a tooth yes. and she had just like solidly gotten crawling. Like she was like, yes. I get it now. I'm yeah. going. So yep, yeah, yep. we were we off were. like a rocket. Yes. So are you feeling ready to transition from sleeping in the bed to her crib or are you still on the fence? A I'm, bit? I'm, I mean, I'm still on the fence. I mean, I think a lot of that will change once I stop breastfeeding because mm-hmm. I'm still breastfeeding. And so I think, you know, there's been it's nice at night to have that feed and we just kind of blissfully dro- uh, drift off but yeah. yes i mean i do think it's probably about time for us to regain our bed yeah. i think also that as long as i could bring her in in the morning and have a morning snuggle i would mm-hmm. because waking up with her is my one of my favorite yeah. parts mm-hmm. i mean she's just lights up the room and you know she right now she's waking up and she sits up in the bed and her eyes are sunk she just goes Ha, 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 ha. But it's like, not like a laugh. Like she literally says it like that, which is so funny because I feel like she's imitating how we do it. So yeah, I want to still have those moments. But I mean, to be able to go to sleep and sleep in my bed without having to arch my back to accommodate her (laughs) would be awesome. Yes. You you end up doing yoga in your bed when you're sleeping with a little one. There's no no doubt about it. It's important if you've been co-sleeping, like many families would, you know, say, yes, this is something that feels right to us and we're going to do it. And then there's a point at which it stops feeling quite as right often because of wiggly, squiggly little people, or it becomes a safety issue where they could fall off of a bed. And so you have to, if you're going to co-sleep, it's very important to be safe about it. But it's important also to make sure that you and your spouse or partner have that conversation together. You know, where are you? Where am I? Where are we? And make sure you're on the same page. And, you know, yeah, it can be nice to have that privacy back as well, but you have to feel ready to do it or else you're not going to be able to kind of stick to it. it. Exactly. So when you've been sharing a bed together and is your crib, is her crib in the same room with you guys? No, her crib is right next to our room and her room. So it's, I mean, we have a small house, so everybody's, we can hear her breathing basically. Okay. We're good. Okay. okay. So for anybody who is making that transition, what's super important is to play a lot in that room. Spend a lot of time in there if you don't already. Mm -hmm. So she starts to get really comfortable in that space and it feels good in there. Pop her in the crib if you haven't been. That isn't a place where she tends to spend a lot of time. Well, I will say she actually, when I go out of town, I'm actually going out of town this weekend, so we'll see how it goes. But when I'm out of town, she doesn't sleep in our bed. She sleeps in her crib. So she will sleep there. It's probably me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yes. That's such a great point about getting the kids like acclimated and comfortable in their own Mm -hmm. room like it was really good always to like I always nursed in her bedroom like in the same special chair and it always felt cozy in there and it was like and had the sound machine going 
and you just sort you got to set the mood for your baby. <laughs> yeah. There's no question. And they love that predictability and consistency. It's actually such a saving grace because as they start to grow and develop and they're taking big leaps forward in so many ways, it's so comforting to have one thing in their day that's always the same, whether it's mommy or a daddy or a caregiver putting them down, that part's the same. So to create that environment, you know, is, is super important. But yeah, so, you know, you want them to feel good in the room. You want them to feel good in the crib. If you so happen to have not spent a lot of time in your crib, pop your little one in there for 10 or 15 minutes at a stretch, stay, play, have a good time, and then leave the room for a minute and come right back. And then work your way up to two minutes and work your way up to them being able to tolerate you kind of coming and going a little bit. So that's kind of step one. I think, you know, what you've been sort of touching on is is the whole emotional side mm-hmm. of the idea of the separation. But if you know that you're still going to schnugger all yeah. during her wind down routine and you're still going to have that, you know, sweet, lovely connect time and you're obviously still going to feed and all of that. And you're going to have your morning snuggle time in bed and you're going to be exponentially more rested to be present with her during the day and really enjoy your relationship. You're not giving up anything, you know. And I think there's one other thing I wanted to mention for working parents – I think that, you know, it's it can be even harder to set those, you know, limits around sleep because you have crazy hours sometimes, your schedule is so frenetic that it feels like, but I hardly even get to see you, yeah. it feels like. And so, of course, I want you right next to me all night long. But what you have to remember is you don't want to be like up all night long looking at each other. You want to be rested so that you can make the most of the time you have as a working parent in the evening, in the morning. And on your weekends. And that's what you do as a working parent. You make the most of the time that you have. But to be able to do that, you need to be not sleep deprived. Right. Not crying. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I I found that uh, with Sabrina too, when we were able to even really get going with like the nap schedule, Mm -hmm. just her mood was so different. I mean, a rested baby is like a totally different beast, (laughs) just like me. Like when I get sleep, I'm not nearly as nutty. Like it's so good. And then they're so happy and so energetic and so loving. And it's like everyone gets the best of it because there are all those studies out there talking about sleep deprivation with like weight gain and all these moms who can't drop the weight. And I'm wondering how much of it is sleep deprivation, the stress, the cortisol spike, which also leads to weight gain. But then it's, you know, it's affecting you cellularly. Oh my gosh. And I, and I just feel like, you know, at work, I have to be on my toes and memorize lines. And I feel like I work with almost all guys and they don't get it. And so I constantly just feel like I've become so dumb. I, I like my my ability to be quick witted and think of words. Mike just looks at me and laughs now because he's like, I don't even know what you just said, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I want my mind back, yes, you know? Yes, you do. And so here again, like you love your children madly, but there are other facets of you. And it's okay for there to be other facets of you. And it's oh actually God, repeat that. <laughs> it's That's it's so it's not only okay for there to be other facets of you as a mom, it's good for your little one. It's good for them to see whether you have a boy child or a girl child. So a girl child who has a mom who works gets to see what is a woman. Oh, she's a mom who's totally here and loves me and takes care of me and She's a wife and she has a working life and a brain that functions in other ways. And so she gets to see you as a well-rounded person, Mm -hmm. giving her permission to grow up and be the same thing. Little boys see mommies who are all of those things and go, oh, I understand what I'm now looking for in a partner. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to expect somebody who is only ever focused on me. You know, because we all know we've dated those men at some point. <laughs> no, they need to run from me. <laughs> They're like, this girl's never going to make me a sandwich. <laughs> I'm going to delicately touch into this. Okay. Your lips crying. are shaking. <laughs> I'm, I'm shaking. Yes. My lips are shaking because it's such a delicate yes, subject, yes, right? Yes. Okay, crying and crying it out. Yep. And, and, uh, you know, Bianca's read of some things about self-soothing. Yeah, and- I mean, I've read studies everywhere from, uh, you know, there's been my mom who says it's normal. And then I've read studies that say, like, it, they're not actually able to self-soothe and their cortisol levels are still high. And all. I mean, th- you know, you're reading these things. And on uh, Facebook, someone was like, 
some article about how, like, yeah, you, the, they think that you've abandoned them. And- <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Crazy making stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the truth. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. First of all, there is no way to help a child sleep without some tears, period. Whether you stay in the room, don't stay in the room, pick them up, don't pick them up, co-sleep, don't co-sleep. They're going to have some kind of emotional reaction to changes that you're making with their sleep. Right. That's life. That happens. Okay. So just wanted to say that. All of the people who say, oh my God, it's terrible. You're abandoning your child. You know, how could you do that? What we have to remember is that everybody comes to the table as a parent from their own lens, their own childhood, their own experiences. So let's just pretend you had a childhood experience where one or both parents was not really there for you. You didn't feel very supported. You feel like you had a parent that was a little too checked out for your comfort. Are you going to then grow up to be a parent who is right there for your child every minute? Probably. Because inside, you know, consciously or unconsciously, you're saying, I will never let that happen to you. I'm going to be there for you. Right. But, you know, the truth is what kids really need is balance. What we do know is that it's neither good for kids to be right on top of them and never let them struggle at all because that produces quite a bit of anxiety. You have a child who has no resilience, no inner resources, no creativity, no ability to fail and fall and make a mistake and pick herself up and figure out how to keep on going. And have their own emotions. Have their own feelings. Feel comfortable in their own skin. Exactly. So neither extreme is ideal. You neither want to be right on top of them nor out in left field, right? So the balanced place is to, again, kind of tune into your own mama instincts and put the emotional stuff aside. And like the emotional stuff may be, okay, I read that study and oh my God, oh my God, you know, what if she's going to feel abandoned? Well, I can tell you that at Sleepy Planet, what we don't do again is kind of plunk kids in a crib and walk away. So that's to, that's what cry it out means to me. Yeah. Like you're alone by yourself in the dark. No, that's not ideal. What we do sometimes, you know, working with a family, it's always different, but sometimes we do have parents leave the room for a few minutes and then lovingly come back and check back in again. So what I can tell you is that in 17 plus years of doing what we do and literally tens of thousands of families that we've helped and our book and DVD being in more than 15 countries all over the world, we have never, ever, ever, did I say ever, once... (laughs) heard feedback from a family that said, hello, sleepy planet. Something's wrong here. We went through your process and our child is not right. The attachments changed. The personality's different. Separation anxiety's off the charts. Never. Awesome. So that's my peace of mind. But again, if you isolate just the crying thing, it sounds horrible. It has to come in the context of a whole loving relationship context where it's not your new parenting style. It's just something that you're doing for a couple of nights to leave them for a few minutes at a time to learn a very important skill. And I think that's such a such an important point to make the delineation between plopping somebody in a crib and shutting the door and listening to them wail from another room and actually being present to the process of what's happening. And yes. Do you guys agree that your connection with your little one transcends physical proximity that they can feel you and you can feel them whether there's a wall or a door there? hundred percent. So all of the hard work that you do in building your connection with your little one is still there when you go through a sleep learning process. And that's why it doesn't go south for them. That's why they're able to not only get through it, but like actually greet greet you with a smile in the morning and be totally fine. Right. Yeah. I have a question. At at what point or is there a, a appropriate age? Should a child be able to fall asleep on their own in a crib because there's, you know, does that vary? It would depend a little bit on, 
you know, sort of the history of that first four months. Was that child born on time? If they were premature, sometimes preemies have a little bit more sensitive neurological systems. But many, again, can start to do that after four months. But, you know, I find that because I have parents who come to sit in my office anywhere from four months to six months to, you know, any time in the first year and beyond. By the time that family is sitting in my office, it's the right time. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like everybody hits their wall at a different place. And You're just stronger than the rest of us, Bianca. At a year. And, you know, that's when I almost feel like there's been this tacit agreement in the family. Like the baby's on board, mom's on board, you know, the other parents on board. Everybody's like, okay, this is it. You know, we've we've kind of hit the end of our rope at this particular phase of how we're doing sleep and it's time for something new to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. When I put Sabrina to bed, what's what's exciting is when I'm able to really tune into her, even because these days, so she's 17 months old, Mm -hmm. and she gets really excited before bed, and she gets super spazzy and like decides she wants to read every book in the room. (laughs) She pulls out every single book, and it's like, okay, let's pick one, and then she wants to do a puzzle. So I've started putting things away so that we can be a little more focused. Yeah. But if I listen to her I'm and give her a couple choices we're usually able to get to a place by the time we've read a few books that she's really settled down and I'll say to her okay can mommy have a few breaths and like we'll do some breaths together love it <laughs> and then sometimes she'll want another book but usually we're able to start our song which my husband made the Cheers theme song. <laughs> it's like making your way in the world today takes everything you got. And then I forget the rest of it. So it's la, 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 la. And she goes, la, 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 la. Like well, she starts like rubbing my shoulder. And those are the, you know, sometimes she's resistant and she'll cry for maybe a minute. But it feels so good every time it happens when you I put her in the crib. And then now her thing is she like has – three stuffed animals and she makes me like hold each one of them and say goodnight to them mm-hmm. and say like, you know, you're going to take care of Sabrina tonight and mommy's in the other room. And then, <laughs> I mean, I'm probably playing along with this too much because it, it goes on for a while, but it feels like a special <laughs> time we have together. Definitely. And it works because then she holds on to her little animals and she blows me a kiss and I shut the door and turn on the box fan in the hallway, and she's quiet. I mean, I can't believe that even happens. It happens all the time. All the time. But it was it's hard when I have to, like, leave. Like, if I have a sitter and I got to go somewhere, it, that gets tricky. Yeah. And then on the, the sitter's hearing on the monitor, making your way. <laughs> That's so amazing. But you're actually putting your finger on something very important, which is, you know, those those last moments before you say goodnight – that's when kids want to feel so connected with you, so safe in your arms, lots of touching and holding and cuddling and all of the things that you're doing there to create that, you know, warm, soft, amazing feeling for her is a huge part of what's allowing her to transition successfully. And, you know, hats off to you because at that age and beyond, you start to get into some of the limit testing and the willful behavior. That's all day. So like, you know, (laughs) and and so all those times that you have to say no and redirect her and all of that can, can make for friction in the relationship. I don't have to tell you, you know, there can be some power struggles. And so when kids go that age, you know, kind of go through their day and they're testing and testing and testing and crossing lines and, you know, your, your hand handling it, they need to feel at the end of the day, like, are we okay? Because I know I probably pushed you really hard today, (laughs) but are we okay? And so you're kind of effectively saying to her, like, no matter what happened today, honey, everything's fine. And she feels so safe that she can relax into sleep. So So in my situation where I have a child who I mean, sometimes it takes a little bit more work, but she's really good. But we're good about, you know, rocking her, getting her down. But she wakes up yeah. and and she's in this habit now of waking up. And it's like clockwork. I mean, it's pretty much we can guarantee between that 9 or 10 p.m. hour she's getting up. Okay. So what is – how do you solve that? What is what is the approach for that? Is that when you're feeding? No, I'm not feeding anymore. Okay. But but she uh, – I did. I was taking her in and yeah. feeding her in my room um, after nothing else was working. Yeah. Um, and so now we are actually – 
we take her out because she she's so hysterical um, that we have to take her out of the room. But it's weird. We have this um, – it's her playroom slash meditation room for us. Uh-huh. And I take her in there and that room seems to be, okay, I understand. I have to go back to sleep. So uh-huh. she'll fall asleep on her shoulder there and then we'll transfer her back to the crib. But okay. then she's waking up again at about 11 midnight okay. and that's when she's coming into bed. Okay. Or it could be the amazing energy in your meditation room. When Maybe. She's like, ah, relax. <laughs> um, so – Question, how does she get to sleep in the first place? We rock her on our shoulder. Some, well, sometimes she's fed to sleep, but lately she actually is, doesn't fall asleep now while feeding. So I have to put her over my shoulder um, and and walk with her and rock her. Okay. So here's the deal. Okay. All of us kids and alike are very aware of the conditions present as we're falling asleep in the first place. Periodically throughout our night, we cycle up into lighter sleep subconsciously check out our environment to make sure everything's the same. And if it is, we go back down. And if it's not, we wake up. So this harkens back to, you know, when we were cave people and there would be some dinosaur in your environment, you would cycle up and be like, oh, T-Rex, got to get up and deal with that, right? So it's a very ancient biological defense. So it's when so crazy because I just is, realized though she, but she when she wakes up is when Mike leaves for work. Oh, but I okay. I didn't even think about it because he's so quiet. But she wakes up in that hour where he's either just leaving or he's just left. Okay, that's probably not an accident. Yeah, and you know, daddies and little girls have right. that very special connection. Yes, um, and babies are again so attuned. You know. Um, that she may well be registering yeah. that. So that could be part of it. And okay. then this other thing about how she's getting to sleep in the first place. Right. So, you know, as far as the last she knows is she's in mommy's arms on your shoulder. <sighs> Good night, right? And you kind of tiptoe over to the crib and put her down. And so she's cycling up for that first time going, check, check, check. Is everything the same as right. when I fell asleep? <gasps> Mommy was here when I fell asleep. No mommy now. Yeah. Where's that shoulder? How'd I get into my crib? Hey, you guys, <laughs> get back in here and recreate as much of that as you can, which you do. You take yeah, her and you put her on your exactly. shoulder again. So it's not the wake-ups that are the problem. It's being able to put yourself back to sleep. That's the skill that they need to learn. Right. And in order to do that in the middle of the night, they need to do that last little bit of falling asleep more independently in the first place. In the first place. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. Yep. So how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> when Sabrina would cry for a few minutes, we we did the like, f- I think five, maybe we started at three minutes a time or five, ten mm-hmm. minutes a time, mm-hmm. go in, check on her. Yep. We I don't think we, we didn't say anything, yeah. but we were there for her um, yeah. and then leave. But that would always heighten. Yes. Because like, she's like, hello, now you're – get me. It can so be. So it always yeah. heighten it and then we'd leave. And then, it, I mean, it worked. We never – we were really lucky that, you know, this didn't go on very long for us. But it was just funny that every time you go in, to be like, we're here for you. It'd be like, wow. It's a little bit of a tease because they go, oh, yay, you're here to do that thing that you always do to help me to sleep. What? You're not doing that and you're leaving? Now I'm twice as mad. So there are a whole bunch of different things that you can do to help and support your little one as they're learning those skills initially. And what you have to know, again, is, um, yeah, they're going to feel some frustration because that whenever you're learning a new skill in life – you feel some frustration, whether you're learning how to, you know, crawl, walk, tie your shoe, ride a bicycle, whatever it is. So, um, so yes, they are going to feel that. What you do to, to help and support them here again has to resonate to your own heart. So here are some ideas. One idea is to do what you just described, where you would check in at kind of, you know, certain intervals of time. You can do three, five, and seven minutes. You can do five, 10, and 15 minutes. It's a good idea to kind of graduate yourself up to a slightly longer interval so that they have a little bit of time and space to have a thought process of like, hmm, if you're not going to help me, what the heck am I? going to do? Oh, I'm going to suck on my fist, my finger, my hand, my thumb. I'm going to nuzzle that lovey that you left me that smells just like mommy. I'm going to kick my legs around. I'm going to stand up and sit down a few times. I'm going to gently rock my head from side to side. There's a whole bunch of things that kids do to calm and comfort and soothe themselves when given that few minutes of opportunity. Um, But so the idea would be you would go in and either use like a loving, calm tone of voice to say, hi, honey, mommy or daddy's here, sweetie. You can do it. Go night, night. I love you. And come out again. You can pat. 
you can pick up, you can touch, but in our experience, that unfortunately tends to make the crying a little bit worse. So it's one of the most counterintuitive places as a parent because what your heart tells you to do is the kind and gentle and wonderful thing to do often makes the crying, you know, harder. Right. So, you know, you can experiment for yourself and see, you know, what happens if I touch? Ooh, that really upset her. What happens if we pick her up? Wow, that sent her off the charts. What happens if we go in and we just use our voice? Oh, that was very different. But here's the most important ingredient in what you do, your energy. Yeah. So I know I can speak to you guys about this, but, you know, this is like children are very much in their right brain, which is all about feeling and sensing way more than anything else. So how are they reading you? They're looking at your eye contact, how it feels when you're holding them. They're reading your body language, how you're moving your body, your tone of voice. There's so many little nuances of that communication. So if you're there like, oh my God, I'm so sorry we're doing this to you. I'm the worst mother ever. <laughs> this is really bad, isn't it? You should totally be freaking out. I'm freaking out. Then she's going to go on the ceiling too. Yeah. Whereas if before you go in there, and again, like this is not the most fun you're going to have as a mm. mom for a couple of nights or a dad, but it's like... I don't know if either of you had a little one who fussed in the car seat ever. Oh my gosh, the, the whole year. Okay, so here's an analogy for you. You have to go somewhere. You put little one back there, fussing, freaking out even. Oh, screaming. Screaming. Yelling. Okay. Do you then say, oh, honey, I'm so sorry you don't like your car seat. Come sit on mommy's lap. <laughs> no. That's a great no. analogy. No, you I, say there's a bigger picture, right? Yeah, and then I just stopped going places. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to stay home forever. Yeah, so, you know, the bigger the bigger picture with sleep is sleep nutrition, basically. So they need their sleep nutrition. But as a parent, you have to be willing to hold the projection of your little one's unhappy toward you when you're making a very important decision in their best interest. Right. Today, it may be the car seat or sleep. Tomorrow, it's going to be mom at 16. I'd love to go to Cancun on spring break. What do you think? <laughs> I did that uh, and no mother should ever let I, 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 I solidly concur with that. <laughs> Oh my goodness. They're yes, going to do that someday? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Oh, that's, we'll be doing this podcast in a decade. Oh, oh my God. God. We, um, th- to hold the space for them to have those feelings and not to put our own crazy feelings on top of that. Like to just be like, I'm here for you. I'm like the balanced, centered one. I know you're really upset right now. This is a hard change. And I'm here for you. Yes. And who wouldn't love to feel that loving support when they're going through something difficult? So if you can figure that out this early as a parent, how to tolerate your own discomfort when your child is experiencing discomfort, boy, are you ahead of the game. Because it's going to come up over and over and over again. And again, it's not like – you're not doing this to be mean. You're doing this because – your child needs their good sleep nutrition. You need your rest to be the kind of parent that you want to be, to use your brain in any other capacity mm-hmm. that you're using it. And last but not least, to nurture your couple relationship. That's the hub of your family wheel right there. It's so tempting when they're little to be like, love you, honey, see you when she's in college. But they need you guys to be connecting to hold that space as a family. They need to feel that that, you know, kids feel so safe. So my business partner, Jill, loves to tell the story about her little girl, Emma, and they were on family vacation when Emma was about 11 and they were in the mountain somewhere and they were standing looking at this beautiful mountain view. And Jill said, you know, it's so pretty, honey, isn't it? And what's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen? And Emma sort of thought about it and thought about it. And she said, you know what? It's when you and daddy are hugging. And Jill kind of went like, oh my God. It is so important for kids to see, feel, experience. Parents, connected, enjoying each other, affectionate. And how can you do that when you're sleep deprived? <laughs> yeah. Or, or you, yeah, absolutely. 100%. And, and, and don't have that nighttime. You know, I, I feel like Mike and I already lose out on that because he works at night, but there is this window where we can watch our favorite show or talk about what's gone on with our day or just lay in bed and cuddle. Yes. Sorry, Mike, I'm outing you. And, um, he cuddles. <laughs> he cuddles. <laughs> and, um, and that right now is, 
being disturbed because one of us is having to go tend to her. So, um, you know, I, I think I'm seeing a theme here. (laughs) This is so amazing. Thank you so much. Listeners, please go on iTunes and subscribe and download our next episode because this is a two-parter, guys, as I said earlier. Um, Get the Sleep Easy Solution. Give it to a friend. If you feel like, oh, well, you know what? I've got a a one-and-a-half-year-old. I don't need this anymore. Um, That would be me. And I was wrong because it's also about naps and it's also about – Oh my gosh, it just goes on and on. Separation anxiety, moving, traveling, introducing a younger sibling. Like there's so many fun hiccups we have to look forward (laughs) to on the way. Um, Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your wisdom with us. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Are we going to do our little... Our little thing real quick yeah. here. Let's my, your mom session. My mom session. Okay, it's an app this week, everybody. And the mom session is the Budify app. So it's B-U-D-D-H-I-F-Y. And it's just go online on the iTunes store. You can get it. And it has all of these different options. It's this really cool, colorful wheel. And it's like, oh, I'm in nature. Or, oh, I can't sleep. Or oh, I'm stressed out at work. And then there's like 10 different options for which sort of meditation you want to listen to. And it's really cool. And I love great. that. I'm going to go get it. It's been helping me fall asleep. And that's a big feat. Yeah. <laughs> um, my mom bomb today comes straight off my chalkboard wall that I have in my house. I, I painted a, a wall that we can all see with chalkboard paint. And I like to write inspirational things on it that I read from other people. And the one I'm going to read today is um, from a book that I read. And um, it's the destiny of everything that lives is that it should unfold its own nature to its maximum possibility. And I just want you guys to remember when you're feeling like you're the worst <laughs> You feel like you're not doing anything right. Uh, just remember, it is your destiny to be all that you can be, and you deserve it. And um, we're all doing the best we can. So, hey, everyone, we'll see you next week. And remember, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, and rock on, Atomic, Atomic Moms. Moms. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleichinger, Schleichinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore because it's here and it's funny and I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.